0: This is Wright Wisconsin Conversations, Volume 2, Episode 12. So we're here today at the home office of Brian Hagedorn, who's an appeals court judge in Wisconsin, and Brian is rumored to be a candidate for, possible candidate for the state Supreme Court, and so we thought we'd take a chance to to interview Brian and find out what makes Brian tick, and uh, let's start off with the basics, Brian. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been an appeals court judge?
1: So, I uh, yeah, I took the bench in 2015 uh, and have been uh, doing that doing that since then. So the Court of Appeals is the court right below the Supreme Court, and so most of the decisions, again, all the decisions that are, happen at the trial court level, those get appealed up to me. Uh, and so I spend my days uh, reading and writing, and my, my main job is really to judge the judges and judge the law to make sure that decisions are all made within the bounds of the law, And to clarify the law uh, when when necessary as well. And you got when did you get appointed again? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Yep. So you're up for re-election. So I actually I was appointed by the governor in twenty fifteen, and then I ran for election in twenty seventeen. Uh, and uh, was unopposed uh, and, and won that election as well. So I've got a six-year term, so I'm up, up in 2023 again.
0: 2023. All right. In, uh, before you were an appeals court judge, who did you work for?
1: So I worked for Governor Walker. I was his chief legal counsel for about five years.
0: And before that,
1: what did you do? Before that, uh, so um, immediately before that, I was at the attorney general's office. Uh, When J.B. Van Hollen was there, right before Governor Walker was elected, I also clerked for uh, Mike Gableman, Justice Gableman on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, Uh, and then I was a uh, an attorney uh, at Foley and Lardner in Milwaukee. Um,
0: And before that, you were a blogger.
1: I was a blogger during my during law school during my law school days at Northwestern. we we'd moved up to Kenosha from our last year of, of law school and then I yeah I was I was a blogger and that's where we first got to know one
0: and what was the name of the blog
1: it was anno Domine, so just uh, thinking through through the whole whole world and you know, maybe in, in light of kind of the truth of where, where my faith is so
0: okay and now today here, here we are uh, maybe you should describe a bit about your philosophy where you come from when it comes when we're talking about uh because we, we have this, this dichotomy of views in this state of what a judge should do. Yep. Some people see that a judge should be concerned about the outcomes and trying to do their best for yep.
1: the,
0: their favorite pet causes. And on the other hand, you yep. have people that, that see the role of a judge is very limited. Right. How do you see it?
1: Yeah, so... Um uh, I, I guess uh, it, between those categories, certainly more of the latter. the way I, the way I would say it is you know judge's job fundamentally is to say what the law is, not what the judge thinks the law should be. And the way you know what the law is is by reading it, by reading what it actually says. and that includes the text of statutes, it includes contracts, It includes the Constitution. And I think one of the main differences uh, is some people view the courts and some some of my colleagues uh, even can on the bench can view the courts. Uh, as a place to ensure that their vision of justice is always done in every given situation and and I really view myself as somebody under authority. i'm I only have the authority that you and we, the people, have given to judges to have. Uh, and so when I read the text of a statute, when I read the Constitution, I see what it says, and that's where i you know that's that's where I place myself. That also doesn't mean shying away from uh, being vigorous in defense of the Constitution. so, uh, the Constitution, for example, protects individual rights, some of which are not in favor as much nowadays. Uh, whether it be the Second Amendment or religious freedom or other sorts of uh, amendments, those are there. Those are what the people have said they want. They want to be protected, and so uh, that's what I need to do. And and also there to enforce the separation of powers. We have three branches of government, so I, I would say the judiciary has an important, significant yet modest role. Uh, to simply interpret the laws, where obviously the legislature is there to write them, the executive branch is there to execute them or put them into practice.
0: So, as as we look at the current state supreme court and, and how it's made up right now, right now it's a it will be a four to three majority conservative um, conservative majority. But so, would you see yourself more aligned with the conservatives or with the or with the uh, other block that's on the court?
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, labels are always tough, but certainly from a judicial philosophy standpoint, um, I'm certainly much closer. I think to you know Justice Bradley, Justice Kelly, Justice Ziegler, and the and Chief Justice Rogan Sack. Obviously, uh, you know we'll see what kind of justice Rebecca Dallet is uh, when when she gets on there. But I certainly uh, Justice Abrahamson and Justice Ann Walsh Bradley. I think I have a very different view of what our courts ought to be doing than uh, than they do.
0: And the election that we're talking about that's coming up, it would be to replace Shirley Abramson, who's was announced that she's not going to be running for re-election. Right. Um, not going to get into speculation about her health or anything like that. Is, but, I mean, so, so it would be, though, I mean, we're talking about somebody who had such a huge career mm-hmm. and an impact on that court. Yeah. And you can see why... The left would be very anxious about who replaces her. Yep. Just given that history.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, I'll I'll give some credit here. I mean, Justice Abrahamson was an extraordinarily hardworking and extraordinarily smart justice, and um, <clears throat> she was able to have uh, an extraordinary impact. I think because of that. And you know, she was uh, about my age when she got appointed to the court and was able to serve for for quite quite a long time. And um, so, I, you know, I, I certainly uh, hope to have uh, that kind of impact over the long run as well. Uh, she was able to think well about the law, big picture. Um, and uh, that's, you know, that's certainly certainly my goal as well. And I think we have different visions about, again, the way the law ought to operate and the way we do law. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a very significant race. Uh, you know, this is a very significant seat. I think it's gonna be very tough fought election. Uh, because everybody recognizes what's at stake, uh, particularly after the outcome of this last election.
0: So, speaking of the last election, what do you what do you think of the what do you think the lessons were of the last election going forward?
1: Yeah, well, I, I certainly um, supported Judge Screnock. I uh, did some speaking for him and tried to to help him. Um, you know, there's whenever a candidate loses, uh, you know, sometimes uh, there, there's always a. You know a little bit of a retrospective on things i mean big picture i'll say at a, at a 12 point loss there was a lot going on you know beyond the nuts and bolts uh, of a given campaign um i think uh, justice Dallet ran sort of an anti-trump race for the wisconsin supreme court uh, and she was able to tap into national political feelings um you know i mean you know, the vice president of the united states doing robocalls for her uh, the night before the election uh so that that was kind of a unique circumstance but I do think one of the things that we need to do in this coming race is to mobilize uh, support uh, sooner and and stronger. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I I think I'm you know fairly well known in the judicial community, the legal community, as well as the political community. Uh, and um, I, I'd like to come out of the gate strong. I'd like there to be a lot of support uh, for the race, which obviously means raising money. It means building a network of people who. You know, are really committed to seeing this. And, you know, one of the benefits, uh, quite frankly, of a law sometimes is it helps you do a little bit of a gut check. I think to a certain extent, uh, some people thought that, uh, you know, of course Judge Kranica is going to win because uh, all things being equal, uh, the rule of law message always succeeds, um, you know, in an open seat. Uh, And so nothing's a given. And we need to work really, really hard. We need to. Um, you know, outwork um, uh, whoever opponent might be uh, and need to make sure that the right message, and I think I have the right message, uh, is motivating to get out and, and uh, support people. So there's, there's nuts and bolts of the campaign and how you run it and how you message it, you know, that, uh, that, that can be talked about, um, you know, as, as time goes on. But uh, a lot of it's, I think, about building the right infrastructure early on, and that's kind of what I'm focused on in the short term.
0: So when you look back at that last race, I mean, what, what was it, was there something about that race, though, that just kind of disturbed you that you, when you look back at it, you just go, man, that, that just can't happen again in the next election. We just can't have that kind of debate. Was I mean, was it the way that it got t- turned into a political debate rather than a judicial debate or... Is it about the way that outside political groups saw it as is just a numbers game? Yeah. How many conservative justices versus how many liberal justices? Yeah. Versus, what was it the about that race that really bothers you?
1: Well, I mean, uh, in at the end of the day, and I think the voting bears us out. There was a certain amount of apathy towards the race, and I think that is uh, that that is um, that can't that can't happen again. <laughs> we can't. We cannot have a, oh, well, it's a Supreme Court race, we'll think about that later on. Um, I mean, I recognize there, this is a political season where there's significant uh, state and national races going on right now uh, that people are very focused on, but we can't lose sight of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, and to some extent that happened. You know, when I was out there talking to folks and trying to drum up support for Judge Screnock, even a couple months before the election, people still barely knew there was an election and didn't know who the candidates were, and so, um, so I think my job is to, to make sure that, uh, people are aware of the race, uh, and that people understand this is a must win race and that they, they know me and they're excited and, and, and ready to go out there, uh, you know, win this. There's obviously a lot about the way the debate happened, uh, that I didn't appreciate as well. Um, and, uh, um, I, I think there were some, uh, some of the ways that, that, you know, Judge Dalek campaigned that. Quite frankly, I found pretty disturbing. Um, and uh, I certainly am not going to hesitate to to call that out if that repeats itself in in this cycle.
0: All right, we're going to pause right here, and then when we come back, we'll talk about so what your decision making process of whether or not you're going to run, and and uh, what kind of time frame we're looking at. All right. Want to be a sponsor of the Right Wisconsin Conversations podcast? Email us at business at rightwisconsin.com and you can learn how you can be a sponsor of this podcast or our other exciting advertising opportunities at rightwisconsin.com. So let's talk about the time frame for a decision and the factors that would go into it. First of all, you said you'd like this race to start a little bit earlier. It's the Conservatives need to get a, a jump start on this compared to the last race. Yeah. So what kind of time frame are we looking at as for as far as you making a decision?
1: Right, right. Well, I think sometime after the, the 4th of July holiday, um, you know, for sure. I think sooner rather than later is probably... Um, ideal. um, you know I am getting out there and, and beginning to do some speaking and talking anyway at this point um, but uh, but also you know part of what I'm trying to do right now is is talk to different people and uh, make sure that people are aware of the race and excited and that there can be you know a bit stronger of a front from a from a launching of a campaign than um, than maybe happened in the past
0: you're a family man your family behind this possible venture in out and yep. I mean it's one thing to run for re-election as yep. an appeals judge, right? It's another thing to to be running at the top for right. the for the state supreme court,
1: right? Right.
0: Uh, your family behind you on this?
1: Yeah. So I'm yeah I'm married, been married for sixteen years, and to have five kids, ages four up to fourteen. Uh, so it is a big sacrifice, you know. My wife and I spend a lot of time. Um, thinking about it and praying about it, you know, over the course of, you know, even Christmas holidays and through the beginning of the year. And so, yeah, there's uh, they're they're behind it. You know, it's funny when I when I um, uh, met my wife and we were dating and before we got married, uh, I I said to her, you know, you know, babe, I feel like God has called me to make a significant impact in the public sphere. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm not going to have a nine to five job. Um, are you sure you're okay with that?
0: <laughs> yeah. And she
1: uh, she said yes so you know she's here anyway now truthfully i I, I think and, and you have to have this um, if you're going to be successful in order to work hard at but but I think her and my kids understand that you know part of part of maybe my life mission is our family's life mission mission which is to really make a difference in the public sphere and I think that's true for anybody in public service. You know, it's not ultimately about me. It's not about me personally. This is about the rule of law. It's about the court. It's about the state and the opportunity to serve. And so all the nights that I'm gone, which have been true already and will be true um, going forward, uh, are nights that my family is helping to, to achieve that mission too.
0: It, it, it is important to have your family behind you. I mean, I laugh about it now, but my wife and I laugh about it, but I was going through a fight with the state elections board when we met. Yeah. So she already knew that <laughs> there was going to be a, a package of problems coming with marrying me. When, yeah. You know, that's right, right. Right. But you know, when we talk about this race, these races tend to get sometimes very personal. Yeah. And they and they. Uh, Vicious, and and you know, you see your face up on the yep. TV screen, and it's all black and white with right. scary music, right? And uh, you know, it's it's kind of an adjustment in yeah. how you're, but you worked in the Walker administration, right? Right, what years did you work for the Walker
1: administration from what from when he started? I mean, I was his first chief legal counsel, uh, so uh, you know, started at the very beginning when he started in January 2011 until uh, till I was appointed in 2015.
0: So you you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, I you do. Mean, you're I mean, there for the protests and in Act Ten and everything else. You know what you could be facing.
1: I was a big part of all of that. I was in the middle of everything, and uh, you know, I I um, yeah. And you know, there were times throughout my time with the governor. You know, that you see your name in the paper, and you know, there's there's insinuations by the reporters about you know X, Y, or Z, and. Uh, so yeah, to some extent, you, you get used to that. But you know, I, it's true. And it's not it's not fun. I mean, it's not fun knowing, knowing that I'm going into a season where there's going to be a you know a whole cadre of individuals who are going to seek to personally destroy me. Um, that's not something you relish or look forward to. But I think there also is uh, a certain amount of fearlessness that you need to have if you're if you really believe in principles, and you really believe in it. And uh, so you go after it. And uh, um, it, it may not be uh, may not be the prettiest thing in the world. Elections never are, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 prepared for that, and uh, um, I'm also pretty competitive, and I look forward to uh, uh, hopefully fair but but spirited debate.
0: Are you concerned about the fundraising aspect of this? I mean, for the most part, we're kind of unique in Wisconsin in that. That we actually have more outside spending in these races than we do by the candidates themselves quite often. Yeah, right? that's right. But you still have to do some fundraising and be right. out there and, and raise right. the funds to get your own message out there. Is that's that, right. Is that going to be a concern?
1: Well, I mean, you know, obviously, a Supreme Court race at the end of the day is, is, um, you know, like a lot of races, is, 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 in a large part about building a network and then having the resources to leverage that network uh, and to get as many people on board when people are paying attention. So, I fully anticipate being able to raise, uh, raise the funds and put together a pretty compelling, uh, a pretty compelling race and campaign.
0: So. Let's get back to the law. When I say that, let's actually talk about the law for the first time in this interview. Yeah,
1: yep. <laughs>
0: we've we've had actually in the in the last couple of years some pretty significant decisions by the state supreme court. Yeah, um, including uh, one uh, about property rights, about whether or not homeowners can turn away an assessor at the door and and still maintain their Fourteenth Amendment rights to due process. Um, so looking looking back, because I know you can't speculate about rate decisions going forward. Right. Was Was there any dis- one decision that you just look at now in the last couple of years that you say, "Wow, that, that's really going to have an impact on the state," and it was they they got it perfectly right, or they got that one completely boneheaded wrong.
1: <laughs> Well, uh, so yeah, that's that's a big question. I I'm I'm a little hesitant to go into detail about ones, particularly that are more recent, because sometimes those are, oftentimes those are issues that replicate themselves and are sitting before me right now. Um, you know, there was a very, you know, without maybe commenting too much on it, there was a very significant decision that just came down today as we're recording this, dealing with administrative rules, and so there's been a real rethinking about. Deference to administrative agencies, uh, and the court today just held that they're doing away with deference to executive branch agencies. So that's going to work a sea change in the law, Um, and uh, there's a lot that we're going to have to work out, even at at my level in the Court of Appeals, probably over the coming year. But I think that's going to be a reoccurring issue. But I will say I'm thankful for some of the rethinking uh, that the court's doing on those subjects. Um, You know, I I think when I look back to the past, um, you know, I and I think this is important to think about, and something I'll probably talk about a lot you know during the coming campaign, is you look at the court uh, during the mid 2000s. Um, that was the last time you had a majority of folks who, I guess, uh, agreed with maybe Justice Abrahamson's judicial philosophy. That was after Diane Sykes was appointed from uh, appointed by President Bush to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. And the court took a pretty sharp uh, turn to, and there's probably no other way to say it than a leftward turn, um, in that there was uh, an effort to impose, you know, what I think can only be called, you know, sort of left-leaning political views uh, through the guise of the law and through the through the guise of the Constitution. Um, And you saw the court do that in the civil arena. Um, You saw the court, you know, what when it came to interpreting contracts. Uh, medical malpractice camps, other sorts of things. You saw the court do it in the criminal uh, arena on uh, a regular basis, where they were, quite frankly, inventing sort of new new rights that I, I think are not sort of plainly spelled out in the Constitution. So I think those that seri- were the direction of the court during that time, I think, is something that's really important to highlight because that's the last time. I mean, Justice Gableman won won his seat in two thousand eight. Um, that's 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 the last period we have to look back to. So, what does it look like when you have, you know, judicial a different kind of judicial philosophy governed where the Constitution means whatever I think is, you know, valuable or whatever I think is good for it, for the state rather than what it says. Um, so, I think those series of cases, um, you know, were very concerning. Um, I, I certainly do not want to go back to that time, uh, and uh, that's going to be an important part of uh, my message going forward.
0: All right. Well, I want to thank you very much, Brian, for meeting with us today. That was uh, great to talk to you again and look forward to seeing you possibly, you haven't announced yet, possibly on the campaign trail. Great. Sounds good. All, All right. Thanks, Thanks, Brian. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Right Wisconsin Conversations. Conversations with the people in conservative politics that make a difference. You can always join us at www rightwisconsin.com for the latest in conservative news wisconsin politics the right way while you're there sign up for our free daily update right wisconsin daily update comes to your email inbox every single day with latest in commentary and the latest in news from our website thank you very much and have a great day